keep like you know a bottle of vodka or something and take a shot <laughs> keep an open bottle of vodka in your passenger seat hello i'm justin i'm mark we're the j-pops and we are attempting parenting in japan Welcome to episode 36. Today we'll be talking about baby's evening fussiness, but first we'll get into the updates. So Mark, how about Coda? How's he doing this week? He's doing pretty good. He's about three months, two weeks now. Very much acting like a three-month-old, which we'll talk about later when we get into the segment, but he's very much into the evening fussiness right now. Some other stuff, we got our... uh, passports back and our consulate report of birth from the social security office oh that's good they already sent stuff back and i guess once we got it back it had a little note inside that said the social security number wouldn't come for another four weeks but that it would come directly from america so Mm. we can expect that before the end of august i assume that's interesting to know that they separate the documents that way so you'll receive your passports back because they're done processing it they just need to actually print off and ship the card, I guess. So Yeah, well, they, they never actually sent my passport and CODA's passport to America. Yeah, it just goes to Tokyo. They photocopy everything and forward that stuff on and then just give you back the, the real copies. They just need to have that notarized photocopy that they, they can do in the office. Yeah, I should have probably done it but i'm just uh, leery of sending my passport out at the moment no that makes sense it's better to be cautious you never know a government agency could take forever <laughs> yeah yeah at the drop of a hat it could all change um yeah we actually uh not to jump in on your updates here but we no, just fine. booked uh, our trip back Ooh, that was my question i was going to ask you something about that we booked like august 23rd ish to january 4th oh okay this will be all of september october november december uh it'll be nice to have a round of all the holidays you know yeah i haven't had in my home since um probably like 2005 or something it's been a long long time get ready for all the pumpkin spice in the holidays. Oh yeah, man. I need to load up and tide me over for the next decade or more. Um, pumpkin spice, not a huge thing in Japan. I guess it pops up at Starbucks in Japan, but I go to Starbucks like once every five years. I think it only pops up at Tully's. Oh really? Yeah. I've never, at least up until this year, I don't think I've seen it at, at Starbucks. Oh yeah. I think I made a special trip there last year or two years ago. Maybe it was eggnog that only shows up in Tully's. One of those two. Nasty. Always <laughs> trying to thin out the business around the holiday season. Put an eggnog in the menu. I see. Oh, counterintuitive. <laughs> Not a fan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But uh, now that we've actually got the trip booked and it's like just over a month away, I'm even more scared of uh, my passport getting out of my possession. So I'm definitely waiting now. But I guess it would have been fine had I done it, you know, a month ago and had I tried to embark on the social mm. security journey. Yeah, that's all right. It's still, it doesn't need to be done right away. Like I was saying before, I just wanted to start his college savings funds earlier, and I needed that in order to do that. To jump back to my updates, I made a new purchase this week. Mm-hmm. Um, we got Coda the Fisher Price Laugh and Learn Smart Stages puppy. 
All right. Your recommendation and apparently all of your family. <laughs> yeah, everyone loves that <laughs> damn puppy. I heard a rumor about this through the grapevine that you had that yeah. puppy. Is it in the mail <laughs> or have you already received it? Oh, no, we've had it. It's been a good, like, what, four, three, four days that we've had it now? Uh-huh. Yeah, getting a lot of use out of those that full-length song. Yeah, yeah like how for it sure. plays just one after another. Yeah, you push and hold the heart. Yeah, and it gives you maybe like fifteen or twenty songs in a row or something. Just short ones. It's really short though if you don't use that, because you got to sit there and you're just like tapping a hand or an ear or a foot. Because obviously he's not doing it yet, so it's all on me. Yeah. So most of the time I'll just hit the center, let it play. You get a good five minutes, like you were saying, and. uh most of the time, he's happy with it. Uh, I heard that there's a girl version and a boy version of that puppy. Did you have an option when you ordered it? There were both. I, I ordered them through Amazon Japan. So the pricing on the girl wasn't the same as the pricing on the boy. More expensive? Yeah, it was like twice as much. Holy God. <laughs> yeah, so Ladies I ended back. up going with the boy. I actually didn't care. I thought about getting the girl one at first. Because you had the boy one, so I thought, well, maybe I'll get the other one. But looking at the price, there's no way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like basically pink, isn't it? The one we have is white and brown and blue. and then Yeah, I think it just had like pink ears instead of blue ears. Oh, I see. Okay. But I thought that would be nice because our real dog is a girl too. Mm, and yeah. so that would be like a nice like... A little corollary thing. there between yeah. the dogs. <laughs> Yeah, I that's very interesting. I guess uh, I don't know how the supply chains work, but um, yeah, maybe they just have a stock in country of the boy version or something. I heard the girls' version has a little bit of a higher pitched voice too. You know, after listening to that thing a couple times a day, I gotta say the voice kind of grates on me a little. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something I noticed about the songs on that is to ramp up the excitement of the song. The song cannot end on a low note or a downbeat, you know? Yeah. Uh, the song has to end like, um, what's the, uh, itsy bitsy spider down came the rain, washed the spider out, out came the sun and dried up all the rain and the itsy bitsy spider climbed up the spout again. And that's the <laughs> ending of like basically every song. And, uh, that kind of annoys me. Cause it's like, that's, that's not the melody. That's just an overexcited dog. I gotta say, every time that song comes on, Moa is like slightly confused about it, just like the wording of it, and then like the whole story of the song. Like it's a really weird song if you think about it. Like it is. There's yeah. a spout, and she's like, "What's a spout?" And like he climbs up, and <laughs> yeah, I never really thought about it. I mean, I don't like the song anyway because it's about spiders. Yeah, that is interesting. I guess that one never caught on in Japan. But my wife also was interested in it when she heard it out of the dog for the first mm. time and she looked up the lyrics and then watched a lot of youtube videos you know like follow the bouncing ball kind of like karaoke mm. style and right. she said she really liked the melody and she kind of dived into it the trouble that we came across though is that there's a big controversy is it went up the water spout or climbed up the water spout and whatever you check lyrics wise it's always different and really uh, yeah, so it's hard to like sing along with it and not feel foolish when you've tripped over your lyrics. I feel like it would be climbed. It's the more expressive verb. Uh, it carries more meaning. I feel like that's what I've heard. Like if I were to sing it 
without any music there, I think I would naturally say climbed up. Climbed, yeah. It comes up twice, doesn't it? First yeah. verse and last verse. I don't know. I've been thinking a lot too much about that song. The other good thing about that song, <laughs> though, is back in uh, circa 2006, 2007, I used to have children's classes with kids who were four to six years old. So mm. they would unleash a pack of like seven or eight, you know, kindergarten age kids on me. And uh, there were some songs that we could choose from to sing. And I chose the Itsy Bitsy Spider because it has hand motions, right? You know, all the classic oh, hand right. motions. You can right? walk up. and Yeah. Every single kid's class, I would do the Itsy Bitsy Spider two or three times. And eventually all the kids knew all the lyrics and could do all the motions. And they nice. you know, looked forward to it. And then um, it was quite a good thing. It was like, oh, wow, they actually learned something and they've got like some moves that they can do too. So mm. those kids really caught on to it. And maybe the hand motions helped them understand what was going on in this English language song. I think there were some pictures as well. Mm. But uh, it, it caught on with those kids back then. So I guess it's a good song. I don't know. It's an okay song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It gets my full endorsement. Um, That's good. Speaking of children's songs, I did a little dive on, uh, you know, the famous thing about A, B, C, D, E, F, G and Twinkle, Twinkle, Mm. Little Star have the same melody, you know? Mm. So I was like, is that like, which one came first or is it an old melody or is it like a folk song or something? And I looked it up and I learned something and that's that the original melody uh, comes from a French folk song and it was, ah, vous dirigez maman is the name of that melody, <laughs> which translates to, oh, shall I tell you, mama? And uh, it's, um, it, I mean, it's that melody. And you can go back. I think this melody was first copyrighted and recorded in like the sev- middle of the 1700s. Wow. Did they have copyright back then? I suppose so. Uh, well, publishing like by some, I don't know, sheet music or However, the scores were done. Yeah, just reading here, I'm I'm in Wikipedia, knee deep. The melody was first published in 1761, but it says uh, it was a song dating from maybe 1740. Uh, so the original lyrics are in French, but the translation goes like this. So it's not about the ABCs. It's not about a little star, but the original lyrics were like this. Oh, shall I tell you, mama, what is causing my torment? Daddy wants me to reason like a big, big person. But I say that candies are worth more than reason. <laughs> That's to the tune of the kid's song in France. In yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Daddy terrible. wants me to reason like a big, big person. But I say that candies are worth more than reason. It's cute. Well, I mean, it's got a point. <laughs> yeah. And that itself, that... Uh, I mean, the lyrics seem a little bit outlandish, but those were a parody uh, of an anonymous love poem from those days. So there was a love poem that goes, ah, shall I tell you, mama, what causes my torment? And then it Mm. goes on about this um, lover that I can no longer meet or something. So uh, the children's song was kind of a joke on this love poem, and they made it about candies from a kid's perspective. Hmm. But anyway, then what I learned was that Ah, vous dirigez maman, uh, there was a series of interpretations done by none other than one Mr. Mozart. So if you look up that title, 
and Mozart, then you'll find like a, I forget, like 12, 13 minute uh, song that I think uh, they're variations. And I think there are like 12 variations on that melody done by Mozart. So you could say like, that's the first sampling of a song. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) for sure. I mean, he's like, he was the 50 cent of his time, really. (laughs) I've always said that. Yeah, you have. (laughs) Uh, Which, do you remember when Jack White of the White Stripes and the Insane Clown Posse teamed up and they sampled a Mozart track? And uh, then it was like a collaboration. You're kind of blowing my mind right now. Yeah, look this up. Yeah. (laughs) It was ICP. I'm a juggalo. I'm not afraid to admit it. Uh, It was ICP and Jack White, and they did a collab. This is maybe 10 years ago. And then they took a Mozart melody and then incorporated that into their collaboration. So everybody just go look that up for fun. Okay. I just Googled this. It was in 2011. And the song is called, (laughs) this is some great ICP song titling. (laughs) The song is titled Lick My Ass. (laughs) They were so subtle in their titling. Yeah, they were very subtle. (laughs) Underrated for their subtlety. Um, But it comes from the original German title of this melody, which was Lick Mink Im Arsch. Also subtle. Yeah, very subtle. It had to do with Mozart having a, you know, kind of a sense of humor about it. And this was sort of a jokey song that he did. And then Hmm. who's funnier than ICP, really? So, of course, they they, uh, homed in on that. And ICP and Jack White, both from Detroit. So they've got that connection, too. The more you know, music history. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, I highly recommend that... uh, that Mozart track for the A vous dirige, maman. Everybody go look that up uh, and enjoy it. It's amazing. It's really wonderful. I'll pop in here too with some uh, Nico updates. Not really anything big, but you know, we've had the great fortune of having a grandmother come over pretty frequently Mm. to babysit. And that's been a real help in terms of us moving into this new house and our life's all in boxes and everything. Plus I'm trying to, redo Nico's room before, you know, we actually move everything in there officially. So to have someone like be here to take care of him while my wife and mm. I can just furiously run around the house and unpack things and fix things up a bit. It's been very valuable, but the grandmother has been out of commission for about a week now. She um, oh, just no. had some kind of sore back that turned into one of those things where you can't turn your head and, you know, that kind of like just a bit of nerve pain where uh, you can't move your arms, can't turn your head. You don't feel like you can drive the car very well because of Is that. Like a disc stuff. issue then? Um, I think it was a bit of overuse. Like she went to do some ume picking or plum picking oh. and spent a day outside, you know, reaching up into the trees and uh, carrying around the heavy uh, buckets full of plums. And then I think it right. did her back in, but she's recovered mm-hmm. and she actually came over today, but we had a week there of like, no babysitting help, uh, which were totally spoiled. Uh, but it just left a lot less time for, uh, basically getting this house in order, which is a big undertaking. So we've had a really busy week and when it's busy, it's like things slow down a lot. You know, somebody's always got to be watching the, the baby and that's what makes it busy. The other person's trying to do twice as much. Yeah, definitely. Part of my, uh, continued update is that, 
I'm back to work full time now, mm. but I'm still working from home. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of adjustment going on with me and Moe mostly about how to schedule time and figure out who does what, how I can get work done mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So it's been a frustrating week for me, I think, and her just because having me here all the time, it's kind of like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll go do this thing and then Mark can watch Coda and, you know, we'll, we find that balance usually. But with me working, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to be in the office for however many hours I need to. And mm-hmm. then she's just left basically to, to watch after Coda by herself and try to do the stuff that she wants to do, which is super frustrating. I heard some you know, wisdom, which we've all happened upon now that we've experienced it. But before I actually had the kid and I was planning to take the childcare leave, one of my friends told me like, uh, you know, remember when you're doing childcare leave, it's, uh, it sound, it's got leave in the title, but it's actually, you're leaving one job and going to another job. The other job right. is full-time taking care of a kid, which, right. um, you know, commands all of your attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in many ways it's, um, taking more of your attention than actual work because you can leave work when you need to and put it down and come back. But with a kid, it's like you're not dictating the terms anymore. Mm -hmm. So it must be a strange situation with you in the house all the time, you know, just a couple of rooms away, but then also kind of off limits and especially coming from when uh, you were taking some leave yourself and you were more available to help. Yeah. I do wish I would have had more leave available to be able to take more time off. I'm super jealous of the year that people get in Japan since yeah. I'm still on the American system. But thankfully, I get I do get to work from home. So there is some flexibility in that. And I don't really have a schedule. It's more mm-hmm. just I need to do stuff. I am figuring it out slowly. Yeah, that's good. I've had a few moments personally when I thought, only if you have two parents and the baby in the mm-hmm. house, but you need to do something like remodel a room, then you can't put the baby in that room with all the dust and you know that sort of stuff right. going on. So that means uh, one person will have to just sit with the baby. And you have to, in your mind, mentally, you have to take that as like, I'm accomplishing something now. And that yeah. is sitting with the baby. Whereas you feel like, oh, there's a bunch of stuff I want to be doing, but I can't because I got this baby. That's yeah. like sort of the wrong attitude. You have to like think, well, my part now is to sit here with this child and then the other person can can do the more active things. That's pretty hard to do, especially when your list is ongoing or you yeah. never get to check those boxes as completed. Mm-hmm. Like one thing I've been trying to do basically since spring is cut all of our firewood for the winter. Mm-hmm. And I've got logs sitting out there ready to be chainsawed and ready to be chopped up. But just like finding the time to get outside, it's like pretty, it's pretty difficult. And then same for Moe, like trying to get anything that she wants to get done. She's been trying to like do any of the cleaning, like spring cleaning stuff that we need to do or rearranging anything. It's, it's hard. And if you imagine whatever the task is waiting to be done, it's like, say you want to take a shower, well, then your wife is watching the kid and then she Mm -hmm. wants to take a shower, then you're watching the kid and the task is not happening. So if one person has to shower, that task is not going to happen. Or, you know, there's like three meals a day that you'll have to make and Mm. uh, all that stuff. Like one person's probably watching the kid. If you're lucky, you can get away with putting the kid in the bouncer, like in the kitchen or something, and then 
preparing a meal and the other person can go do something else depends on how the kid's feeling, but you can't count on it. You know, you have to sort of, uh, take the good yeah. moods from the baby as they come. And I think of the phrase almost every day, the phrase make hay while the sun shines. Right. And it's kind of like the anti procrastinating phrase, but any procrastinating is just like doubly or triply bad as before you had a kid, because that time will never come back to you. And no. you've got so much stuff you need to take care of. There is no procrastinating right now. It's just as soon as you get time, you go rush and do the thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the best you can do. And these days, I think it's probably the same for you, but like Coda is like any time that he's awake, he needs your attention. Yeah. You, we, at this point anyway, we can't just set him in the bouncer and then go and do our thing because he'll start fussing because we're not there. Mm -hmm. And unless he's napping, like that's the only real free time we get with him just being chill by himself. Otherwise, somebody's got to sit with him, walk him around, go do something, play with him. So there's not a lot of that downtime that we found. I've talked about this with my wife a bit, and it's that around four and a half months up to about five months, there was a kind of transition. And that was that Nico learned to use his hands to manipulate mm. toys or something a bit better. And, and he learned to kick his feet to bounce himself in the bouncer. That was mm. like in the fourth month at some point. And when that happened, it extended his bouncer time where he could occupy himself by a lot. Uh, nice. you know, and I think as time goes by, he'll only continue extending that time. Like when he's learning to look through books by himself or to right. color on paper or something, then you could get half an hour, an hour of him just occupying himself. But then the double edge of that sword is that that's when you have to worry about, oh, God, what is he doing now? And what has he gotten into now? Like when he gains that independence and that mobility and the use of his hands right. and stuff, then a whole new set of worries is going to come up. But I feel like there is a sweet spot in the middle, which is like four, five, six months. They're not that mm -hmm. mobile, can't get around that much, but they've learned to occupy themselves a bit more, uh, yeah. but not to the point that they're going to cause any big destruction. So I feel like there is kind of a, a sweet spot there in the middle, which we happen to be in the middle of. And it's kind of nice before he would do five or 10 minutes in his bouncer before being totally bored. But now he can get like 30, 40 minutes in his bouncer, just spinning oh, nice. his toys on it. You know, man, I got to get one of those. I've been looking at them, but they're not cheap. Yeah. The baby Bjorn toys that like latch yeah. onto a bouncer. Yeah. I should have got one that had the one on it, but I just didn't even think about it. Yeah, Mercari is the best way. I was right on the fence, but then I thought, ah, just max it out. Just go for broke. Yeah. Uh, but the toys have now come in handy, and he will touch and spin the toys, and it's like, good work, boy. <laughs> way to take care of yourself. Any other updates in your area? Uh, in your area? Are we slipping into Ishikawa Summit to sea territory? Oh, here? no, I didn't mean oh, to steal goodness. that. <laughs> oh, wow. Going to be breathing down my neck for royalties oh, now. Joe's going to kill me. We can call that a good job and uh, good job. Segment one time. Let's do it. So this week we're going to talk about baby fussiness, mostly at night. Yeah, let's dive into the book as usual. This is What to Expect, The First Year by Heidi Murkoff. Of course, I'm reading from the completely revised and updated third edition. And... They mention it in the chapter on the seventh month. Um, I don't know why it's placed cool. there exactly. This applies for many, many months of a, of a mm. baby's life. 
just the evening fussiness. What they say here, I think especially applies to all range of ages with babies. It says in the early evening, they call it the fussiest time of the day. Uh, their explanation is that it's when fatigue, overstimulation, and hunger can get the best of even the most cheerful cherub. And it mm. makes sense because they've had a whole day of fatigue wearing on them a bit, maybe overstimulation through the day, and then hunger, I guess that just depends on the feeding cycle. And if it all hits, then the early evening is the time when that might uh, really all come mm. to a head. Another problem is that this is when a parent is maybe coming home from work. So not mm. only uh, are these three things all coming to a head at the same time, but now you're disrupting what was going on in the baby's routine. Say they were there with a babysitter all day or at daycare all day or with the other parents or something. Now you've introduced a new element into their world and mm. uh, the baby may flip out just because of the change. Uh, they give a bit of advice. I guess I can go through here. They have five tips for tackling early evening fussiness. One, it says don't come home to a hungry, tired baby. So one thing you could do is if you notice this is a problem, then try to tell the caretaker, whoever it is at the daycare or whatever, to get their nap time a bit later. Say instead of around noon, do it at about two or three. And then mm -hmm. maybe the kid will be more fully rested by five or six uh, as opposed to if they had taken their nap earlier. Um, the feeding as well. If you could just time the bottle a bit more optimally, then maybe the kid would eat and then only 30 minutes or an hour would have gone by before this evening period of the, you know, the change of the routine. So then you might have a less fussy baby. I wonder if, I mean, this requires a bit of flexibility. Mm -hmm. And in my experience in Japan, that's not always available. I wonder how, how they are with flexibility and scheduling like naps and feeding times. I bet that it's not flexible. I would say that in Japan, <laughs> that's probably out the window. Like you can't go in there and tell them to change things. Even in America, I mean, if you have a room full of babies, it's hard to make one of them yeah. like go on a separate schedule. So that might be tough. This might be more in the case of if you have a, a babysitter in the house or if you have right. a spouse home taking care of the kid. Gotcha. The next bit of advice, it says relax before you return. So there's the idea that maybe end of your workday, you're rushing to get through stuff and then you're in traffic and then your anxiety is high. So then mm. when you come home, you're going to feel frazzled. And then I don't think like, not like in a spiritual way, babies aren't like in tune to vibes and stuff like that. But certainly if somebody's agitated and a bit jumpy, then other people will pick up on that babies included. Mm. So you want to get yourself down a notch. So even if it just takes a few minutes of your time, maybe after you arrive home in the car, just chill and listen to something you like for five or 10 minutes, then you might enter the house in a happier mood than had you not done that. And that can be one little piece of the equation that helps smooth things over. Or keep like, you know, a bottle of vodka or something and take exactly. a shot. <laughs> keep an open <laughs> bottle of vodka in your passenger seat and uh, a few swigs. You'll be all right. Yeah. Next piece of advice, it says, relax when you return. So instead of rushing into the house in the evening, this is all based, by the way, on coming home from work. Um, I think the mm -hmm. evening crankiness happens even when nobody's coming home from work. But just for the advice they give here, it says in the evening, don't rush to start dinner or fold laundry or do chores or whatever. But maybe the first thing you can do is just prioritize 15 minutes of just holding the baby and hanging out, you know, having a bit of a good time. 
and that eases the transition. Um, I guess if you're home all day anyway, that could still be useful advice in terms of if the baby's getting fussy, then pause whatever activities you're doing and just have a full on chill out sesh with the little baby. Right. The fourth bit of advice, if you have a to-do list that you can't avoid, then include the baby in those. So take the baby with you, um, you know, talk to the baby while you're folding laundry, put them in the ergo baby carrier or like lay them on the bed while you're doing things. And then the baby will feel involved. And, uh, you know, all of this would depend on what's setting the baby off. Maybe the baby needs a bit of alone time at this phase. You can Mm. lay them down in a, in a dark room. (laughs) I don't know if that sounds a bit abusive. Lay them down in his closet. Yeah. (laughs) Put them in a small closet. (laughs) Um, leave the door cracked for air. It's all fine. Uh, you could, you know, so definitely make it suit your situation, but maybe it would be helpful to include the baby in the things that you're doing rather than leaving him to cry by himself or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, think of ways creatively to smooth things over. The final bit of advice says don't take it personally when parents work outside the home and then they come back. That's kind of a meltdown time for almost all kids. Right. So it's just something that everybody has to navigate so don't freak out and feel like you're the bad parents or that uh, you don't know the tricks it's just something that always happens i think that's very focused on american style of parenting where you have to go back to work before Mm -hmm. the kid's a year old and Mm -hmm. kind of deal with that caretaker babysitter whatever it is i'm not sure a lot of people would do that in japan there's definitely more of the um We've talked about it before. Japan is like a leave it to beaver episode. Dad goes yeah. to work. Mom stays home with the kids. You've got the housewife uh, cohort of the society. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are variations in it. There's just not as much variation as in the U.S. where you find all types of families and all types of working scenarios. You right. just simply don't see as much of it here. But I've had the thought that, you know, as we were talking about earlier, it's just hard to get things done when you've... Mm-hmm also got the baby to be concerned with all the time. So I have had the thought that when daycare kicks off, that's going to be like, you know, put the kid in the daycare. You can really get work done. You're obviously paying someone to take over the child rearing for several hours through the day. Then you can just blast out a lot of work. But Mm. until that time comes, you're going to have to deal with watching the baby and through all the cranky phases and everything all day long. Right. And I suppose when the daycare does kick in for me and my wife, uh, which will be when he hits about a year old, then we'll Mm. really put this evening crankiness to the test. I was reading uh, about this on a couple different websites that take kind of a different approach to it. Mm -hmm. One of the sites is called Very Well Family. I actually go to this site a lot when I'm doing any kind of searching and uh, Mm -hmm. I can't find it in the what to expect book. So they always have good stuff. And they refer to this evening fussiness as the witching hour, hmm. which I guess is kind of a common term for it. They say the witching hour is a period of fussiness that usually happens at the same time each day, typically late afternoon or evening. Babies are most commonly crying, fussy, or slow to console. The fussiness can seem to start and stop without a specific trigger. So there's a lot of variation in it. And it's not just like one thing. That's why nobody knows what, what it is. It's just a very common thing with kids that evening time is is fussy time. I've heard someone say that it's funny because a kid will get tired and not know how to put themselves to sleep. You know, they'll just yeah. 
be tired and that makes them angrier that they're tired. <laughs> so maybe in the evening is when the first little bit of tiredness seeps in and that puts them on edge a little. I feel that's pretty true, especially with Coda. I'll see him get fussy and he'll do a yawn and then he'll like kind of put his hands to his eyes and rub them a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then he'll just be like angry. (laughs) (laughs) You can see this little like tiny person just angry. And then then he cries a little and you're just like, what is it, man? Yeah. (laughs) Must just be like he's overtired kind of and doesn't know a solution yet. And it's odd. It's like the phrase, like, put them to bed or put them to sleep. It's very active. Mm-hmm. You have to put them into a sleepy mode to get them there. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes they'll just nod off. But, you know, it's more of an effort than uh, you would think. Fussiness, um, it's bearing down on all of us. Something everybody has to deal with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, like, just strategies are something that very much depend on all of the variables of your situation. Like, um, who's home? Uh, is it hot outside, cold outside? <laughs> like, what time yeah. is, are things happening? What's the feeding schedule like? What's the napping schedule like? There are any yeah. of these that might trigger what's causing the fussiness or add to it, you know? Like, right. something might agitate a kid 10%. And if you have enough of those types of things throughout the day, then it leads to the fussiness. So, uh, what your goal might be is to just optimize where you can and try different things and see if Mm. anything works for you but it must be very situational depending on the household a lot of it is like the parents adjusting to this new person in their house and they have to kind of adjust their schedules like usually like moe and i would in the evenings have dinner and probably watch some netflix and then go to bed but with the baby the netflix is probably too much like it's being overstimulated after mm-hmm. a long day of hanging out and playing and whatever, now this loud TV is on. Mm-hmm. And so we've kind of had to learn to change our routines a little bit. Like maybe have, if we're going to watch something, do it earlier and then try to stop it and then spend more time with him before bed. And so that's kind of been our way to try to make things a little better. Mm-hmm. But depending on anybody's schedule out there, it could be a slight adjustment like that. That's very handy. And that's good baby perspectiving right there. Uh, Thinking about like Netflix for us is like mindless entertainment, just zone out. But Netflix for a baby is like, oh, what's this bright, loud thing (laughs) now? Oh, my God. It's like the biggest, brightest thing you've seen all day. Especially if you're watching Umbrella Academy or something. That's (laughs) very Monkeys can talk too. Oh, God. (laughs) I don't know what He's like, what's a monkey? I don't know, but they can talk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what Netflix shows have we watched? When Ayumi got out of the hospital and came back, we were just finishing up Seinfeld. So maybe the first thing... (laughs) Nico got exposure to was like seasons eight and nine of Seinfeld. And now we're, we just finished up dead to me. So that's a bit too adult viewing, I think for Nico, but what we'll do sometimes is uh, we'll be eating and watching the TV and we'll put him in a little baby chair and face Mm -hmm. him away from the TV, but toward us. Yeah. So he's not like totally overstimulated by the TV itself. Yeah. And, we can, you know, like make eye contact with him, engage with him, and then the TV's like a secondary thing that's going on. But that's maybe one, like everything, like the best scenario is like to not watch TV. And, <laughs> but you're also crazy having been obscenely busy through the day and you do just want to unwind. So, yeah, 
It's probably about finding the half measures that work best for you and that you don't feel too guilty about. We can move it right along to Japanese of the day. Japanese of the day. Right, Japanese of the day today is Membo Membo and this means Q-tip or you may say cotton swab. This sounds familiar. Oh yeah. Well, it's uh, I chose it because the kanji act and the meaning of those kanji actually show up in words that you study a bit early on in your Japanese study. So the the men, that first kanji, also pronounced as wata sometimes, that is used for cotton. So the hmm. first kanji means cotton, and you'll see that in materials. It shows up, I think, in a like kind of high beginner or low intermediate Japanese lesson. And then the bowl comes up pretty often. I think even, you know, anybody knows bowl from the very beginning of when they come in Japan because of the classic snack, which is a massive Cheeto basically, but it's called umai bowl. Mm. And bowl just means a stick. So in that Cheeto-y snack, it's just a long stick of Cheeto material. And uh, it's like the classic 10 cent uh, candy, not really mm-hmm. candy, but a little snack that you can get. So bowl is like a stick or a bar or a rod of something. And then the men is cotton. So this directly translates to cotton rod. <laughs> we would say cotton swab or we brand it up as Q-tip. But men, bowl, men bowl is a q-tip and i have a question which is do you use q-tips for anything with your baby i don't personally but moe does to clean his ears okay i don't get into them that often but sometimes they are useful for the baby's nose a bit like it's good to oh, get in there man. And a swipe moe's got this contraption for cleaning out his nose so no q-tips but a thing there, there are various <laughs> contraptions. I forget the name of one, but it's like a complicated bong or something like with it, that's tubes. basically it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that go in and out of water and air, and then the parent is supposed to suck on a tube while yep. the other tube is in the baby's nose. Yeah, but that's it. Th- that tube goes through. A complex <laughs> series of chambers and some of them filled with water, some with air. So you're not directly like sucking on the baby's nose that way, but it's it looks alarming. It looks terrifying. It looks terrifying. I have nothing to do with this, but yeah. Moe, Moe claims that it works perfectly, so mm. that's good. I remember picking it up in a drugstore once. I saw it on the shelf and just shuddering like as I held it in my hands. <laughs> I'm supposed to do what with this? But the other option is the type with like a rubberized bulb on the end that you can squeeze uh, and that's how you get your air pressure. That's the American version, I think. Yeah. When I was a kid, it was just one divide, like one molded rubber piece that with, it looks like a crazy seashell or something, like just a ball on one end. Oh, yeah. And a, comes to a pinpoint on the other end almost yeah it seems hard to clean uh the one we have is sort of like a plasticky thing with a few chambers and you can take it apart and clean it as you need mm-hmm. um and it's just got the bulb on one end and then like more of a plastic tube for the rest of it but yeah mm-hmm. those things the one that i saw that you're supposed to with your lips suck on one end <laughs> that was very shocking to me <laughs> we don't own it but it's out there we own it useful very useful I want to go back. Actually, you mentioned the umaibo. Uh-huh. And I actually didn't know what those were when I came to Japan. Oh, yeah. Because uh, 
Moe's grandma lives in a town in Chiba called Choshi. Mm-hmm. And this town has a very sad, almost defunct railroad in the uh-huh. town. And they're doing basically whatever they can to try to stay afloat. And they've created not Umaibo, but a Mazuibo. Which oh, is the, God. The same thing, basically. They just call it like, instead of like, Umai means like tasty. Mm-hmm. Mazui means like disgusting. But it's actually really good. And they have a lot of different flavors for them. So I always thought those were called Mazuibo <laughs> when I first came here. And I had no idea what the other one was. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You were introduced to the disgusting stick first. Right. It's so funny that umai bo, if you translate it, would mean like delicious stick. And uh, it sounds like it's just ripe for hip hop lyrics, like (laughs) double entendre in a song called Delicious Stick. But yeah, the mazui bo, the disgusting stick. Again, back to 50 state. (laughs) ICP, Jack White, look into it. So... Is it, it's not actually disgusting, even though it's called disgusting stick. The ma- No, no, they're great. Yeah, they're oh, very yeah. good. I'll bring some next time we go over there. I'll bring some back for you. You know, because that stuff takes off like the disgusting jelly bean flavors. And it's kind of like a challenge. Like, can you eat this yeah. disgusting jelly bean as a joke almost? I thought they would have run with that, but they made them good. Apparently, this train company, I think, has done pretty good because of this weird marketing that they're doing. Hmm. And so I think it's working for them. A lot of defunct train lines, by the way, out in the countryside in Japan. Oh, yeah. Minor, minor train line, like a two-car train would run on just connecting to... Still running on diesel. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then eventually the populations get so low and everybody's got cars and there are roads where there weren't all those decades ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, those are everywhere. Anyhow, uh, my question for you is... Yeah. My question for you is, has raising a kid in Japan made you more or less interested in learning Japanese? More or less interested. I'll say that I've taken a step back from Japanese study because there are just fewer hours in the day. And... Hmm. Japanese study is just, I need a you know half hour, an hour a day to just stare at Japanese with no interruptions. Right. Um, so I've definitely fallen off a lot. And I, I mean, I made the conscious effort to like pause the Japanese study to do other mm. things that I need to do. But there are words that come up again and again and again, like the same word you'll hear now five times a day and you used to never hear. So it does expand your vocabulary in some ways. But I suppose so. Like the reality is, I'm doing less like academic, like study in a book, but I'm getting exposed to newer and different types of words. And I have to talk to more people because I'll have to communicate with somebody on behalf of the baby or at an appointment or, you know, whatever. So I I would say my Japanese has shifted a lot. Mm. In terms of my interest in it, there's more motivation now to study Japanese, strangely, because. As time goes by, I picture myself, say the kid joins a basketball team or something, and now I'm one of the dads at basketball practice, then it would be helpful to not sound like an idiot in that environment. (laughs) And I know that I'm staring down the barrel of like 20 years of that, you know, coming. 
where you're going to have way more sort of necessary social engagements in which everyone is Japanese in the room and you're there. And it's like work is a bit different uh, because you can put your head down and do your work. But this is like a casual social thing where you're mm. supposed to be talking to people. So I think there is more motivation to study Japanese. At the same time, I'm just coming off of three years of daily study and I'm just right. so burnt out on it. And I was so disgusted by the JLPT <laughs> that the JLPT has put me off Japanese as a thing right. to do in my life because of the way they just like cheated us all out of that test in the winter. Um, mm. And I, again, I would like to take the opportunity to remind everyone, don't take the JLPT, don't send them your money. Uh, it's right. like half of a scam organization. Look for alternatives. And um, I put so much into that and then it all crumbled because of that stupid test that um, that's taken me out of it somewhat. So I have very conflicted feelings about Japanese, mm. a lot of motivations pulling me in all directions and a lot of like practical use of things that's increased study has decreased. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm left in a dark but neutral place. <laughs> like a closet. Yeah, like a tiny closet. <laughs> poorly ventilated closet. You and Nico. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? What about you and your having a kid in Japanese? Oh, man. I don't think my interest could get any lower. <laughs> but, yeah, I think just going and doing things has brought it into my life more than it was before. Mm -hmm. whereas you know my work's online entirely in english i work for an american company my social sphere is basically entirely in english mm -hmm. but now with the kid we're having to go and interact more in japanese so i do get more interaction which is good and i think i'm picking it up a, a bit more than i was before so exposure I'm getting more exposure. That's the real practicality of it. But oh, so for interest, for pure interest, you would say that you're sort of bottomed out and staying there, right? Is that the long and short of it? Interest is peaked a little bit oh, because yeah. I, like you were saying, I don't want to seem like an idiot when he's older and we're going out and doing stuff. And I'm just like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what, yeah. what's going on here. Have fun. I, this is really um, like sort of it runs counter to a lot of what especially American media or American attitude is, which is like, well, let's go out on a high note. Like, uh, let's say something encouraging or whatever. <laughs> um, I think that we're raised with that. But uh, in terms of Japanese, I'm resigned to my fate and I know that I'll never be good at it, you know? And it's mm. one of those things that my friends and I have talked about this before, friends who are studying pretty intently. It's like every time you learn something new in Japanese, you realize it's like you open a door and there are 10 doors behind it and you open one of those doors and there are 10 more doors behind that. And then you realize like, oh, I thought I was kind of communicating well until mm. I studied this one thing and it made me realize that I'm actually sounding like an idiot. So it's right. like the more that you learn, the more you learn you're doing it improperly. And uh, for me, just whatever processing power my brain has, it gets quickly overwhelmed when I try mm. and you know worry about this stuff and incorporate it. And should I be polite here, use the short version of the verb or the long version of the verb? And like, as I think about that, the communication has fallen apart. Right. So I'm kind of resigned to my fate that I'll always sound like an idiot. And it's brutal, but it's like the only way people can sum you up is by what can come out of your mouth, basically. Mm. And so you can have all the skills in the world, be as smart as you want, but if you can't say it properly, 
you're half an idiot, you know, and right. it's like very, very hard to get over that hump. So I kind of know that that's going to happen. And that honestly, in a negative way, it motivates me to think of like, what's a hobby I can do by myself in the house, you know, and then I try <laughs> to gravitate more toward that stuff. And it's a real problem, but it's a real rock and a hard place too, because on the mm. other end, you go out into the world and continually look like an idiot for decade for the rest of your life. You're an idiot. And so it's hard to like dedicate yourself to that course as well. And yeah. uh, that's the that's the balancing act is if you want to be social at all and have meaningful relationships, you have to come to the terms with the fact that you're going to look stupid and you're going to be very, very frustrated in trying to communicate while doing so. If you don't want social relationships, then you're like a weird hermit. And you have to right. choose the course that you're going to choose. It's a very negative choice. And I feel like people want like, a, well, what's the best case? What can I do? What's the positive answer? And I don't have it. It's just like one of those is going to be not so great, but you just yeah. you'll end up doing it. I've kind of given up on having friends who just speak Japanese because I'm never going to be able to get to that friendship level of communication where you can yeah. have like banter or joke. Yeah. Because I'm always going to get that wrong no matter what. Yeah. So that leaves me to have just friends who speak English, mm. whether they're Japanese or a foreigner. Yeah. And then it's all in English. It's also like what you're saying about the um, you know, like banter, joking or whatever. It's amazing how perfect you have to be in a language for that to go smoothly. Oh, yeah. Because if you're taking three seconds to formulate a response to something and somebody else is taking half of a second, you know, mm. like a native speaker, then whatever that native speaker says, that's where the conversation has turned now, or that's the joke that's been made. And then everybody moves on and you're still right. formulating stuff. So if you're half a step slow, you're not saying anything. And it's really <laughs> like, it's frustrating. <laughs> it's also, it goes much deeper than that, which is if you're raised in a culture of certain TV shows, movies, and books and stuff, then you want to talk about those or reference those or say like, oh yeah, this right. is just like that cartoon that everybody knows about except you, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> and uh, then you're just out in the cold. Maybe you're good at Japanese and you're like, well, I've never heard of that show. Anyway, everybody's talking about it now. Okay. <laughs> you <Yeah. know>? And <laughs> you just can't do anything with that. So you're hemmed in in several different ways. And um, it's something that you can study and study and study and get marginally better at or you can sort of like and i don't know it sounds like giving up but after you do something for years and years and years with very little return it's like isn't giving up the right thing to do i don't think it's giving up it's more of like a resignation yeah i'm admitting that this isn't something that i'm ever gonna be successful at i'm not yeah. giving up on it but I'm not, I'm not hopeful anymore. Yeah. I'm like, I'm knocking my king down on the chessboard. It's like, I'm not giving up, but I can see on the board you've beaten me. And yeah. uh, I think there's only one thing now. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a tightrope though, because if you ever fully said, I'm not doing this anymore, then I think it would be frustrating to all those around you. Like your right. you know, immediate vicinity, your wife and child, uh, right. So you have to keep making some sort of effort, but then also knowing that yeah. it's almost never going to be smooth and easy for you in the future. Right. 
So then you have to find like, what is the port in the storm? And it could be a nice foreign community, or it could be a nice, like if you had a job where everybody had to speak English and you know, Mm -hmm. it's not just foreigners, but Japanese people as well, then that could suit you. I never like stake my claim and saying like, oh, you better learn to speak English to me. Like I totally acknowledge that I'm a guest and a a Mm. presence in this country that sort of inserted myself here. So I don't look down on any Japanese person who can't speak English to me. I I fully feel that it's my fault. Yeah, no, no, I don't have that expectation either. But anyway, it's just about like stomaching your own faults and your own sort of failure, I guess. And then seeing how you can enjoy yourself outside of that. Mm. Something that I think about you is that like you've redone your entire house and did most of the work yourself. So Mm -hmm. that's one of those great things. Like when somebody, a person that you can't communicate well with, when they come to your house, they see like, oh my God, this guy did all this work. He's a genius, you know? (laughs) And then that is in their mind. And then you know that you've gotten over the hump of communication with something else. And another Mm. way you can do it, if anybody were looking for like advice on this, like music is a great one. If you can sit down and play something and then they see like, oh, there is something going on in this guy's head. (laughs) Right. He's not just totally... (laughs) like worthless, he can do this. That sort of thing is very valuable when regular spoken communication is not one of your main go-to options. Yeah, I got to say as well, like having a spouse who's understanding and willing to help you in this area Mm -hmm. is the most important thing of it all. Having them understand like, this is a struggle, this is hard, they're never going to get to that level where they can just be by themselves. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm very lucky to have Moe kind of help me navigate that stuff. Same here. Uh, it's uh, it's also, we owe a lot to our spouses because without them, there would be no relationship in the first place. Like the relationship wasn't going to happen on our Japanese. You know, it's all their English. Right. And so we owe a lot to them in that regard. And then also if um, they're helping us with things or at least dealing with the embarrassment of having an illiterate spouse, <laughs> like that's <laughs> something that they're dealing with all the time. That's good to remain mindful of. Right. So, yeah, I'm just always looking for ways to show that I'm a functioning human being, even though every phrase that I say is incorrect or unintelligible, <laughs> then yeah. uh, I need something to fall back on. I've taken it upon myself lately, kind of in the, in that vein of, not giving up, but resignation Mm -hmm. in the face of Japanese learning to learn a new skill so I can Uh go and get a better job at least. Yeah. Because I know she's going to have to support me in all this Japanese stuff. The least I can do is try to make more money. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you can like throw in in a different way, that's very valuable. Uh, Well, like good Americans, we can lighten things with dad jokes now. All right. I got two. I've got three. Okay, well, you lead us off then. Kick off with one here. I got fired from my job at the calendar factory, but it was totally unfair. I mean, I just took a couple days off. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, what did the fisherman say to the magician? (laughs) Hold on. What did the fisherman say? say to the magician is it, it's not something like holy mackerel is it <laughs> it is not that okay what is it pick a card any card okay <laughs> it was from boston <laughs> you left that out <laughs> or like saw, I wanna, sawing a woman in half but with a swordfish i don't know how it works 
back sounds, to the drawing board. That sounds terrible. God, any God. All right. Uh, <laughs> my second one is a two-parter, so I've kind of got four here. What do you call a two-legged cow? I have no idea. Lean beef. <laughs> what do you call a no-legged cow? Ground, Ground beef. beef. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like it. Did you know that milk is the fastest liquid on earth? It's pasteurized before you can even see it. <laughs> okay. I get it. That's funny. Uh, what do vegetarian zombies eat? Grains. Yes. That's it. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that does it. Thank you for listening. We hope this week's episode was informative and interesting. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us either on Twitter at jpopspodcast or by email at info at the jpops.com. Talk to you next time. Pizza time. <laughs>